Welcome, and thank you for joining this podcast brought to you by the American Heart Association. The Association's Digital Digest series features a range of podcasts and videos focused on the latest resuscitation science topics. Hi, I am Dr. Camilla Sasson. I'm a practicing emergency medicine physician, vice president of ECC Science and Innovation for the American Heart Association. I'm joined today by Dr. Cheng, who is the deputy chairman of Youth Committee of Chinese Society of Cardiology and the director of Department of Cardiology at Union Hospital from Wuhan, China. Here is your power bite, three minutes or less. What are the most important things you should know to prepare for the surge of COVID patients coming to your hospital? Dr. Chang gave us his take-home points, and these are really the most critical things you are going to hear today. First, set up a telemedicine hub so that you can triage your COVID patients even by phone. That keeps them away from hospitals and emergency departments and hopefully keeps them at home. Second, create fever clinics. This is such an important part of the Chinese strategy and that really allowed them to cohort patients who potentially had COVID and making sure that other patients who did not have respiratory symptoms or fever were separated so that there was not cross-contamination. Third, make sure that you're building ED capacity and that you have the ability to, to handle the surge by increasing both your physical capacity and also making sure that you start to move staff from other parts of the hospital as well to help staff when those surges happen. And the last and most important thing is have a system of coordinated care that is really going to help you both triage patients and figure out where they should be going to get their care, but also most importantly, knowing when to escalate them to different parts of the healthcare system, whether that's to a fever clinic, to a hospital, or even to the intensive care unit. Listen in so that you can hear all of these great lessons learned from Wuhan, China, from Dr. Cheng. I'm Xiang Chen, Deputy Chairman of Youth Committee of Chinese Society of Cardiology, Director of Department of Cardiology in Union Hospital. I'm from Wuhan, the COVID-19 epicenter in China. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Cheng, for your willingness to share your insights with us today. We'll go ahead and get started right away. When the surge of patients started to come into the emergency department, how did you handle all of these patients? Mm. With the outbreak of COVID-19, lots of patients rush into hospitals. In order to solve this problem, three strategies were adopted. Firstly, Internet hospitals have quickly set up to offer online healthcare through online medical platform with 24-hour online consultation, providing telemedicine service to patients. Patients were provided medical service of internet hospital at home, which reduced the number of patients visiting to the hospital. The, uh, secondly, we expanded the scale of the emergency department and set up more rooms for the visiting patients. Meanwhile, it is important to transfer more doctors and nurses from other medical departments to support the emergency department. Thirdly, the emergency department is mainly used to treat patients suffering from emergency illness, such as myocardial infarction and stroke. In Wuhan, fever clinic is used to receive suspected COVID-19 patients. If the patient demonstrated a fever and or respiratory symptoms, they should be guided into fever clinics. 
Now, many of these patients actually needed respiratory support. I'm sure many of the ones that went to the fever clinic, like oxygen or maybe even non-invasive positive pressure ventilation or even intubation. How did you decide where each patient would go and, and what each patient would get? Mm, hypoxemia can present as a severe and critical ear stage of COVID-19. Oxygen supplementation treatment to correct hypoxemia is a fundamental treatment. Uh, first, uh, oxygen therapy. Patients with severe symptoms and uh, oxygenation index less than 300 but more than 200 millimeters of mercury should receive nasal cannulas or masks for oxygen inhalation. And the timely assessment of respiratory distress and or hypoxemia should be performed. If there's no improvement after two hours, we would recommend for high flow laser catheter oxygenation for another two hours. And the non-invasive mechanical ventilation. When respiratory distress and or hypoxemia of the patient cannot be alleviated after receiving standard oxygen therapy and oxygenation index less than 200, but more than 150 millimeters of mercury. Non-invasive ventilation can be considered in this situation. And if conditions do not improve, I mean the oxygenation index consistent less than 150 50 millimeters of mercury, mercury, or even get worse within one to two hours, intubation and invasive mechanical ventilation should be used as soon as possible. And when your ventilators became in short supply, what did you do to help manage these patients? Uh, I think uh, I, I did not choose this question, choose this question, because I don't think this can be can be solved. This problem cannot be solved by doctors. It should be solved by the government because we, we cannot get the ventilator from, from the hospital. So I, I don't think I can answer this question. Oh, sure. No worries. And then when you've got, um, how were the hospital beds and the ventilators being managed? Okay. And I think, During the COVID-19 epidemic in Wuhan, the government coordinated the allocation of COVID-19-related medical resources, such as hospital beds, ventilators. The hospitals had been divided into COVID-19-designated hospitals. This kind of hospital is for the treatment of confirmed COVID-19 patients and long designated hospitals. This kind of hospitals is for the treatment of long COVID-19 patients in critical condition, such as cardiovascular and uh, cerebrovascular diseases, blood tumors, uh, etc. Meanwhile, with the support of the government, 
we had established more COVID-19 dedicated hospitals, including Fangchang Shared Hospitals, and higher-level COVID-19 dedicated hospitals, like the famous Huoshenshan and Leishenshan Hospital. According to charge strategy, mind and moderate cases were transferred to Fangchang Shared Hospitals, and severe and critical cases were transferred to the higher level COVID-19 dedicated hospitals. What did you do when you no longer had space to care for patients in the hospital? One is the telemedicine and the other, uh, the second is the expanded scale of emergency. It, uh, we created the fever clinic. And I think I can introduce something in the fever clinic because maybe in in America, there are no fever clinic. Uh, they, they all belongs to the emergency, I think, the emergency department. Okay, I think uh, in Wuhan, hospitals set up a relatively independent fever clinic, including an exclusive one-way passenger at the entrance of the hospital with a visible sign. The COVID-19 suspected patients, such as patients with fever, I mean, the temperature more than 37.3 centigrade or respiratory symptoms such as chill, sore throat, or cough were guided to the fever clinics. And we made a charge strategy for patients in fever clinic. If the patient with hypoxemia, I mean, the oxygen saturation less than 93% admitted to the isolation ward immediately for oxygen therapy. Hmm. Patients without obvious hypoxemia, they continued to complete COVID-19 screen examination in the famous clinic. COVID-19 screening included complete blood count, chest CT scan, <coughs> SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus 2 nuclear acid detection and serum IgM IgG testing. If the COVID-19 was diagnosed, they would be immediately transferred to the designated hospitals. If COVID-19 was excluded, they would be transferred to the non-designated hospitals or recommended for home care. So there's a charge system in the fever clinic to avoid there's so many people in so many patients in the fever clinic. Yes, that is definitely something that we are not currently doing in the U.S., but I know that that is something that we are very interested in learning much more about is the fever clinic and the fever wards, even as you had mentioned, Dr. Cheng. Can I just ask a question then about your personal protective equipment that you were wearing both in the fever clinics and in the hospitals? And it's it's more of a question of were you wearing the masks ah. or the respirators and the goggles and the gowns? In the fever clinic, I think I think we should use the level two protection. Level two protection it include the disposable surgical cap, medical protective mask. I mean the N95 mask, mm-hmm. work uniform, disposable medical protective uniform and the disposable Nantex glove 
and gorge, gorgeous. This is the level two protection. I think in the family clinic, because we we will we may contact the suspected and uh, the confirmed COVID-19 patient. So we should use the level two protection. And then in the hospital wards, what type of protection were you using? Was it mostly level three? Uh, no, no, no. I think uh, the protection we divided into level one protection, level two and level three. Level three is the highest protection. I think it's for the operators. And uh, when they start perform oper- operations, such as chest in such as intubation, uh, the sympathetic confirmed patient may spray or splash respiratory secretions or body fluid or blood. So you use the level three protection, this is the highest protection. But uh, if you only uh, contact with the with this patient, the suspected COVID-19 patients, I think you use only the level two protection. It's okay. If you only see the patient using, if you using this patient is being ruled out for the COVID-19 patient, you can use only the level one protection. So the level one is the lowest, lowest, and the level three is the highest protection. Excellent. I think we have a lot to learn um, from the levels that you guys have used in your fever clinics and as well as in your hospitals. Now, are, are doctors now also using unconventional drugs to treat patients with coronavirus related to hypoxemia and respiratory failure in addition to supportive care measures? Uh, yes. Uh, the sufficient respiratory support, for example, oxygen therapy for, or even ventilator is the fundamental treatment. And But some drugs may still helpful. In Wuhan, doctors use some kind of unconventional drugs to treat patients with coronavirus-related hypoxemia. First is the antiviral drugs. I think the uh, chloroquine phosphate, Favipirivir, and Abidor may have therapeutic effects. Secondly, various of traditional Chinese medicine may alleviate COVID-19-related symptoms, including hypoxemia. Hypoxemia and increase the cure rate, especially in the mild and the moderate cases. Uh, thirdly, the mortality rate of severe and critical COVID-19 cases may be reduced by using convalescent plasma treatment, the tocilizumab, and the blood purification and the artificial liver. Yes, I think we are just starting to uh, go into some of our own trials here. Yeah, so I think May, I use the May. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it is uh, really have, the, have some effect, but I think maybe. Mm-hmm. But this is used uh, in some, uh, I think, the hospitals for treat the COVID-19 uh, patients. And uh, some uh, clinical trials it all is also uh, doing in in this period. And what action or key takeaways would we like to leave with our audience? The key, I mean, the take-home message like this: first, antiviral drugs, traditional Chinese medicine, convalescent plasma treatment, 
proceeded map blood purification may be helpful. And the second, providing online healthcare consultation, expanding the scale of emergency department, opening fever clinic should be considered for the surge of the patient. And the third, for severe and critical cases, oxygen therapy approaches can be decided according to the oxygenation index. And for uh, transfer more doctors and nurses from other medical departments to support the emergency department and conduct nosocomial infection training before starting work. And the fifth, the government coordination of all medical resources is more efficient. And the last, uh, it is very important to make charge strategies for patients in fever clinic. I think a lot of us have so much to learn from how you have handled the coronavirus. So I do appreciate your time and thank you so very much for joining us today. Thank you. All of those take-home points I want to write down and send tonight to my um, medical director. Those are just exactly what we need right now. I mean, all of all of your points were were so spot on. Doing those things that you mentioned, especially setting up the fever clinics and switching everything to telemedicine is is exactly what we're trying to do right now. And I think one of our biggest questions actually was when um, when to admit them to the hospital versus not because we have so many patients that very quickly become so sick. And so I think there's a lot of fear of sending patients home right now because we don't know who's going to do well and who's not going to do okay at home. Okay, I think this is the same as two months ago in Wuhan. It is the mm-hmm. same. To the, in Wuhan, it's 32, the fever clinic, not the emergency room. But now, there are so many patients, 32 the emergency department. This is different. Yeah, it's it's very different. And I think, again, that's where I think we have a lot to learn from what you guys are doing. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, this is fantastic. Thank you so very much. I can't say thank you enough. And thank you for all of your work as well for saving so many lives in, 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 in your country and, and helping. Hope the world will overcome this, I mean, this disaster, I think. Yeah, we're, uh, I hope so too. <laughs> if the only good thing that has come of this is that I think it's brought a lot of us together globally. Thank you. My call to action is that after Dr. Cheng's take-home messages, to me, there are two big call to actions. First, share this with everyone. Every single person who works in your hospital, your medical director, your incident command centers, your CEO of your hospital and your healthcare systems, There's so much to be learned from our colleagues in Wuhan, China. And second, we're preparing for the biggest pandemic of our lives, and we have to learn from these lessons to maximize the number of lives we can save together globally. We're all in this together, and we have to continue to learn from one another. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I hope that you will continue to learn with us and share this podcast widely so we can continue to be a relentless force against COVID-19. Views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Heart Association and the American Stroke Association. For transcripts of this podcast and more information about resuscitation science, please visit cpr.heart.org or engage with us via social media using hashtag ECC Digital Digest.